those episodes that never would have happened if it wasn't for a good friend in the podcasting world by the name of Tony Farina. Tony, can't thank you enough. And from the moment that a group conversation, including writer Eric Grissom and artist Will Perkins, offered me the link to Goblin, published by Dark Horse Comics, I was immediately captivated. And from that moment, I had so many questions, and I did my best to fit them into this episode. I really enjoyed all of the things I discovered and that I'm lucky enough to share with you about this amazing project, Goblin. Join me now for this great conversation with Eric Grissom and Will Perkins. Well, Eric, thank you both so much for taking the time out of your lives to sit down with me and talk about Goblin. I, yeah, thank, thank you for having us. Yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> My pleasure. It's, it's really, this is one of those moments where at the beginning I have to say thank you, Tony Farina, because the guy constantly is like, hey, I talked to these really cool people. You want to talk to them? Like, yeah, I, I like cool people who are doing cool stories that then lead to a great conversation. And that's the whole point of this uh, podcast and the video component that I've been doing with it as well is there are amazing stories being told every day. It's, it's like the uh, Ferris Bueller thing. If you blink, you'll miss it. You know, you can just, you can suddenly just not be aware of how many great stories there are. And every time I find another one, I'm like, I got lucky, right? Like somehow I came across this and now I get to either share or talk about it. And discovering Goblin was this amazing idea for me, not only for the, the book, uh, the game, but also your partnership. Um, let's start with just the book itself. What, what is Goblin for anyone who hasn't had a chance to see the material and just is going off of the fact that uh, they saw this in the title and said, all right, I want to listen. Yeah, Tell me more. I think like the high level... Um sort of pitch on it is it's about a, a young goblin who finds himself uh, completely alone thanks to this wandering, hulking, very frightening human warrior. Um, and then the goblin decides that he's going to take it upon himself to find a way to destroy this man. So the, the adventure is essentially his journey through this world of Avonia that Will and I created, looking for a way to stop him. Uh, and, and in this land, it's just like, you know, the typical D&D type thing where goblins are sort of hated and they're feared. And we play a little bit around with the idea of, of what that perception is and how much of that perception is just propaganda by the humans that are sort of moving their villages out. It's really, uh, I always look at it more of less, even though I'm set, the, the premise sets it up as a revenge tale. It's really more of like a road adventure. Um, that one of those epic sort of quests that starts starts in one place and then you end up going to all sorts of different wonderful locales. So it's a lot of fun. It's it's age wise, it's rated ten and up, but um, I'm sure you would agree. I think like any any age would 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 find something to love there, or at least we hope so. I I think so. I've got um, a couple of nieces and nephews, and I can easily imagine them just sort of being drawn to. Hey, cool. Okay, show me more. Um, <laughs> and yeah. they would dive right into something like that. Um, I love the the ideas of of the forest and the mystery and the magic and all of those sort of elements is is stuff that that you know the two of us just sort of pushed into this this wonderful world. So if you're if you're a fan of 
of fantasy, but all, you know, of magic and mystery. Um, I think you would find something to like here. There were a lot of things for me to enjoy. I mean, immediately I was drawn to my earliest memories of, of fantasy and wonder. Everything from um, The Secret of Nim to uh, these, these other ideas of the dark crystal and I'm dating myself based on those. No, you're dating, you're dating Will and I right now. Cause that's yeah, like the exactly. dark crystal. Yeah. is one of our main uh, loves. I mean, it's a common love between the two of us, never ending story, all of those fantasy okay. movies from the eighties, uh, Excalibur legend, like all of that secret of Nim was actually, my Romantic wife loves that movie as well. Like, so that's a hundred percent in our wheelhouse. Okay. Uh, so, yeah. So my my nostalgia was, you know, its its compass was directing correctly. Will did did Eric leave anything out here? Did we did we miss anything with that introduction to Goblin and uh, the no, world? I think you nailed it pretty pretty. I mean, it's like you you came to the same uh, inspiration. Maybe Legend. I missed a little bit of Legend. That was that was the first homework I was given by Eric. Was uh, <laughs> okay. plenty of Legend. Just turn off the 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 movie and just play the the, the Tangerine Dream soundtrack behind me, and I ended up. I ended up listening to that pretty much every day for for a good eight months. So that's yeah. my uh, that was kind of like my compass. Whenever I whenever I was struggling with a scene, like just put on some more Tangerine Dream and just kind of <laughs> the lights low. You know, let's just go into it. I was like, Will, go in the woods and listen to uh, the soundtrack to to this film. I mean, it has a lot of those influences too, um, but it's I don't consider it necessarily a nostalgic. I mean, there, there's, there's, you can see those influences in it, but it is not necessarily just a throwback. Hey, remember this? It's going to be like that. I feel like it. We've created something that is unique and it is its own thing, but you certainly can feel those, those particular touchstones sort of flowing through it's the like whole thing. A reverence for romantic fantasy, like that, that, uh, that childhood fantasy of the '80s with stakes. Understood. Then, then perhaps you know my instincts of nostalgia should have been something more like it's it's got a bit of an homage to, but also crafting an original story. You know, in the process, um, I also love the fact that you start out with um, our main character is a goblin. This this reminds me of those moments when you're suddenly put into a new viewpoint. Uh, it takes me back to John Gardner's uh, Grendel. You know, or suddenly you're no longer thinking about the world through the eyes of Beowulf. You're dealing with his his nemesis and the mother, and you're you're shown a different idea of what it's like to uh, encounter these uh, <laughs> these other mm -hmm. people. When you've got someone like Goblin, now he's looking at man, us, the reader, and offering some original viewpoints just based on that perspective alone. Uh, and given the discussion of homework. Eric, were you the uh, were you the first person? Like, did this idea come to you initially, or was this part of a conversation the two of you were sharing, or how did the uh, uh, decision to go with? Yeah, uh, this Alvin? this came from two things. Um, one is I, I I was listening to the band Goblins' Suspiria soundtrack a lot, and so I always had in, in my notebook of titles of things to be the word goblin. So I knew at some point there would be something called goblin. And then fast forward to sort of obsessively playing Skyrim um, where you're constantly, you know, you're usually the adventuring type and you're walking around these different places and you put a bunch of arrows in these, in these goblins and, and uh, monsters or whatever. And then you just rob them 
and then you move on. And it was just like, well, from their point of view, like, what's that like to to have some guy? Because sh- most of the time you show up in a cave and yeah, they're shooting at you because you just walked into their house and now you've, <laughs> you've murdered them. Um, you know, so what's it like for that? And what if there was a, a, you know, a child left behind from that? How would he, you know, what, what would actions would he take? And all of this stuff that you go in knowing ahead, oh, if I see a goblin or if I see whatever, it's automatically a monster because you hear stories and tales and the, the bars and everything. But how much of that is actually real and how much of that is just propaganda against you know, because you have to justify the fact that now we've built our town here or whatever. So that idea of that sort of married with, oh, this title goblin, and it became the idea for the story. And for the longest time, I wasn't even sure if it would be a comic. So I had I had thought about doing it as like a, you know, sort of a, a book book with some light illustrations. And I had talked to Will about would he be interested in doing the illustrations and, and whatnot. And Will really liked the idea. And I think just kept wearing, wearing me down until it was like, we got to do this. And Will's an amazing artist, as you can tell from the, from the art samples that you've seen and from the trailer and everything else. So then he was like, I can't remember exactly, like you were like, let me just ju- do some pages or something. But it was wonderful. I mean, anything yeah. Will's going to turn over is going to look great. Eric had had mentioned this idea, like you you had originally talked almost like the the Hobbit. You know, you'd have like every chapter would have like a really nice lithographic illustration as like a kind of like a tone setter. And I liked the story pitch Eric had provided me so much that I did the usual, just like just give me eight pages. If you just write, like just like write a pitch, like that's some easy thing. Like just write a pitch. Just do it. And uh, and sure enough. It was it was like all right well then I have eight pages to to try to woo him and luckily Eric Eric gave us something that was real it just the the concept alone like we said reminded me of those old eighties like dark Germanic fantasies where you have like you have you know the the deep shadows and and dark gargantuan forests and like I just I really wanted to dive into it so he gave me that pitch and I just kind of started chopping away at it trying to find that tone you know find that thing that we loved from all this source material and kind of figure out what fit what didn't what was a little too much what wasn't you know what was the heart of that thing that we were nostalgic for what we loved and Will and I had worked together too so this was this is our fourth thing third or fourth thing that we've done together so we had previously done a book this new book goblins with dark horse um our our previous book was also called gregory suicide so we had worked together we already knew that we liked each other you know both as collaborators as friends and as as you know creators so it was like a natural fit anyway just to to put together a picture to do something with will so i always sort of knew we were going to do something and to find someone that's as passionate about the story in your head as you are is sort of a a gift. I mean, that's not, not something you should should throw away easily. No, I think once you've found someone who you can work with in that way, I mean, the idea that you're coming up with in your imagination and then seeing someone else interpret that, put it on the page and you're going, okay, so when do we talk about how much of my mind you're reading? And then we talk about parts of my mind I'd like you to stay out of because you're, you're clearly 
getting it. And I don't think you would want to lose that, you know, from project to project. In fact, you, you've set up a really nice opportunity to talk a little bit about your history. When I was going through the projects you worked on, um, I was intrigued by the idea that when it comes to the Gregory suicide story, you're, you're dealing in a completely different realm. I mean, here we're, we're clearly in fantasy. There you're dealing with um, technology that would, I think, uh, I can almost confidently say is futuristic and yeah. a scenario that is also... And, I hope and it's because... futuristic. <laughs> We're all in a couple trouble. of years. <laughs> I'm, I'm getting older every year, so I'm prepared for the possibility that they're like... Yeah. Oh yeah, we're all watching it on YouTube. Have you not been paying attention to right. the, you know, the stuff that's going on? And kids are like, "Yeah, when I'm 30, I've got a plan to download memories." And then you're like, "But, but I'm, 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 I've been passed." Like, right. well, that particular <laughs> I'm not book, just catching up. <laughs> yeah, that particular book, the birth of that idea of Gregory's suicide, and to do like a very quick pitch, it was about an AI that is outdated, um, that is being replaced by a better. Uh, version of itself came from me being older and working on because I do a during when I'm not writing I do a lot of web development and so I was working a ridiculous amount of hours and feeling always these younger people are arising they're going to eat you alive and that you can't keep up and thinking about you know every year they come out with a new uh, iPhone or whatever some new thing and the old thing's garbage and then just ends up in a drawer sadly so it was like that idea of like, okay, well, let, let's personify that in some way and talk about sort of what that means and being replaced. And so all of that stuff that you were saying about uh, watching things change around you and not being able to keep up and missing out all, you know, fueled that that original idea, which we had done sort of as a standalone. It's still, Will and I were actually talking about it and looking at some of the art. And I think, uh, you know, we were trying to figure out how long ago it was. I think it was whatever we decided it was seven years ago. That's still one of my favorite stories. It's just this short one shot called Gregory's Suicide that we, we did together. And then we've done a graphic novel after that. But that initial idea I always find, always found very interesting. Mm-hmm. And then it just ends up in a drawer, sadly. So it was like that idea of like, okay, well, let, let's personify that in some way and talk about sort of what that means and being replaced. And so all of that stuff that you were saying about uh, watching things change around you and not being able to keep up and missing out all, you know, fueled that, that original idea, which we had done sort of as a standalone. It's still, Will and I were actually talking about it and looking at some of the art. And I think, uh, you know, we were trying to figure out how long ago it was. I think it was whatever we decided it was seven years ago. That's still one of my favorite stories. It's just this short one shot called Gregory's Suicide that we, we did together and then we've done a graphic novel after that, but that initial idea I always find, always found very interesting. That's a great opportunity for me to then ask, so how did that all come about? You know, that was, I believe you just said seven, eight years ago. It was probably even longer than that because it had started out where uh, this writer, uh, Ryan Ferrier had a, website where he would post challenger comics i think is what it was called not the because there's also a, a store called challenger but it wasn't that it was like a website and maybe i'm getting the name wrong it was a while ago but he would post people's shorts it was very cool like i i did a, a short with claire Connolly called animals and he he hosted it and i was going to do this other one this gregory suicide and it was like an eight page story and once will and i started working on it, it was just too much fun 
And then I'm sure Will was like, oh God, he keeps adding pages. And then I just pushed that eight pages to 22 pages. And it was like, okay, we'll do this sort of 22 page one shot. But in my head, I didn't think it was worth, I didn't think anyone would care. I was like, who wants to read about an AI that's like navel gazing and like, you know, just sitting around and like, because it, it's it's built up as this spy sort of 007 thing, which I think people, but it's like, that's not what I want to talk about. I just want to talk about all the <laughs> sadness uh, of the whole thing. So we put that together and we put it out and it actually got a lot of interest outside of comics. So we started hearing from TV and movie people and everything. And I was like, nobody in comics cares for me, but these other people <laughs> seem to, to have an interest. So once that happened, we were like, okay, well, let's maybe we'll, we should do something more substantial with it. And we, we ended up putting together a pitch and I lucked out in that, I mentioned that Animals comic. I had done that with Claire Connolly and it got reviewed on Bleeding Cool um, by, uh, uh, what, what I can't remember her name, I'm blanking on, Hannah, Will, you remember? Hannah Mean Shannon? Did I get her name wrong in the wrong order? Throw those three words together and eventually you will get the right order. Is that right? Does that sound right to I'd, you, Will? I'd be lucky if I remember my own name. Yeah. Anyway, uh, she 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 had reviewed animals favorably. And then she went over to Dark Horse and became an editor. And I was like, oh, perfect. This is amazing. And I feel terrible that if I did get her name wrong, uh, because she's the reason we got into Dark Horse to begin with. So I had an in. And it's like when you're making comics, it takes forever to get past that submissions at whatever the publisher, you know, empty void of death where you just send your, all your work to and you never hear back. So the fact that we had someone on the inside, I sent it to her, she liked it. It went up the, you know, the, the ranks at Dark Horse and they ended up, you know, giving us a chance and putting the, uh, the book out. So that's sort of how we got in there. Hannah Mean Shannon, is that what I said? Maybe I said Hannah Shannon Mean. <laughs> no, 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 you said Hannah Mean Shannon. Shannon. I got, you got it, right. it right. Okay, I feel- I'm I feel, feel, right. feel, you got it right. Like most of us, you're better than you think you are in the moment. And then upon review, you're like, I did that pretty good. Yeah, I think yeah. I, yeah. No, but she was great. And I, I, I owe her a lot because without, you know, without that animals sort of comic that got a review that at least I could say, hey, you, you reviewed this thing. You liked it. Maybe you want to check out this other thing we're working on. And that's all it seems that a lot of this in comics is, is a series of, I did this. Maybe you'll also like that and hope that at some point it connects with someone. That, um, so both Tony and I are working on novels. I think he's working on a second one. He's, and we're in the pitching process too in our lives. So thank you for, ex, you know, describing that because I think some of the, I'm pretty sure people who listen are, there's a mix of them who are artists and creators and trying to do something or they've been through it or just anyone else who's gone through that process. What you just described was that like throwing stuff, yeah. throwing stuff. And then suddenly you're like, hey, you saw me throw that. <laughs> you saw me throw that. And now you're over here. Do you remember when you saw me throw that? Right. And I mean, you can relate that to just about anybody who's trying to look for that edge in, whether it's the athlete who's like, hey, buddy, remember when you were that guy who was the coach who saw me in that game and now I'm doing this thing and come check me out. And at the same way, you're, you're doing that thing where you're also saying, you liked I did this. You liked what I did with this. Yeah. Here's another thing. And I it's think a, the whole the whole thing is sort of like a series of failures that actually reveal <laughs> themselves to be successes. So it's like the first time you get rejected by email is amazing 
because somebody took the time to write you. Like, it's like that, yes, it's negative, but it's like, I heard from someone. Because for so long, at least in my experience, it was sending out and not hearing anything. And you just don't know. And you don't know, and then your brain starts going, maybe it's in their junk mail folder. Maybe they hated it. Maybe, you don't know. And so you can't grow because you, you always have that like unknown. And like, once you get to the point where you can get rejected, uh, you're on your way. I think that's- <laughs> Thank that's... you for your booze. It means you felt something. Hey, <laughs> I, I've gotten some where the kindness in the letter makes me feel better about the fact that A, I got rejected and B, you were so thoughtful. You took the time to be that polite. Yeah, like maybe no, that goes a long way. To... <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, that goes a long way. Just that little bit of effort to- acknowledge that I did receive it and it's not quite there yet, but thank you for your time is, is so meaningful. It's, it, it, it's a, it's a confusing thing to try and describe while it's happening. And then even afterwards, sometimes you're like, it made me, I wanted, I thought I, and, and also with it, there's a chuckle for me because while I'm still doing that, I, I never thought I would have a shot anywhere in comics. And recently I've been doing one that got, um, it's now an online comic series, part of like a, a group. And it's like an anthology and mine will cycle through every once in a while. But I'm sort of chuckling to myself, like that's like this little thing you just hold on to where it's like, I don't know how I got in the door over there, but if yeah. I keep throwing at different people, comics and writing something's and different things happen. like, yeah. right, something's going to fall through. Um, and I've been looking for different ways to describe that and hearing you describe what you just did about, you know, you like this, I'm offering you this. And now, now you guys are at dark horse. And before I I dive into that even more, how did you two meet? Like, did you, you know, was it just through going for this challenger, you know, project or had you been in communication before had you been introduced or, uh, some other twist of fate that had brought the two of you together? Have you always been like neighbors since six and now I'm about to find <laughs> out you're like I, childhood friends? I had actually, my, one of my first books that I put out with my brother, Mike Perkins, uh, we, uh, we actually found Two and Five Inc. out of Philly. And because I'm an upstate New York guy and I, I met a, a couple of creators here locally. And uh, one of my earlier New York Comic Cons, Eric happened, we had a book of Eric's with Phil Sloan, I believe it was Dead Horse at the time. And uh, we were kind of working together on that and, you know, just spending a couple of grueling, you know, four hours at the, at the, uh, the convention table together, kind of promoting our books and you have nothing to do but kind of talk shop and hang out. And uh, I you kind of like, you, it's like you were saying, you, you know, the, you find yourself immersed in this group of people and then you just kind of see who sticks around and who you get along with and who has good ideas and one day Eric actually reached out to me because he had seen I had a kind of a proclivity towards drawing you know weird creatures and monsters and things in my own book and he kind of let me toy with the side story in uh, Planet Gigantic Was that yeah the yep that was Planet Gigantic that had come out for Action Lab a number of years ago That's yeah it's like it's interesting because comics is such a small community um, you know, there's certainly a number of people that we haven't met or I haven't met anyway. But you, if you're in it long enough, you do start to see the same people and you start to meet people that you didn't think you were going to meet before. And people that are starting with you, all of a sudden, they're in a position that is much better off that, you know, they're, they're higher up on or they're writing for some bigger book. And then through them, you start meeting people. So it's, if you stick with it long enough, you eventually will meet 
a person that like will or something that you can work with that you have a good chemistry with it's also sort of a lesson to always sort of be nice to people and be a decent person and not be a monster because because it's small uh that gets around too so you know mm-hmm. i've i've run into some you know not a lot but there's some people i i, I remember i have this one memory of being at a table selling some book and some writer came up to me and was like yeah i got a got this new artist working and I got the contract so that I'll get all the money or whatever if it ever and he started like referencing whatever was going on I was like are you like an idiot like what is first off you're a terrible person but secondly like (laughs) I'm gonna tell people about that like and eventually you're gonna you know and then they'll be the first person to complain that they were canceled and it's like well you were just that you were you know you were just a jerk but yeah my my six friends that are also (laughs) artists now we'll make sure they don't work with you Oh right, you just God. look over. It's like everyone thinks you're a you're a, a dope. I don't want to well, say too much about this guy, but I I did eventually look up, and and he ended up running with a bad uh, bad crew, and that's all I'll say about that. But yeah, no, it's 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 um it's a small it's a small community, and it pays to be nice. Yeah, I think you just be nice and, anyway, because uh, the world general, needs right? that in general. Even, yeah, right. don't be nice because you think you're going to get something out of it. Um, but just be nice because like why you know why wouldn't you and like it, it will get you know we'll get out there if you're not i guess he yeah, has a positive spin is that like comics is is one of the few industries in which being a nice person does pay off like you will you will immediately very quickly your circle will encompass quite a few people where like you're saying you'll be online and just be like oh i remember when he that so-and-so was also nobody like me that's awesome <laughs> to see them yeah. do so well like you right, get to that's true. watch, you get to watch the rising tide lift all boats, which in most that's, places you don't. You just kind of right. beat your head against it. Wow, it's, that's it's a, true too. Because like for to jump on what Will was saying, because when you see these people that you did work with, and now they're putting out wonderful books, and you know, you're it's not the same as when it's just some person that you were looking up to before that you had no connection with. Now you actually see somebody that you knew, and then it it you feel more a part of the whole. And it's more part of the thing. The machine. I mean, we make comics in a vacuum. It, it, you need to feed the machine in some way and be able to walk into a comic shop and see like Steve Orlando's name on a Marvel book. Be like, ooh, it's so <laughs> great to kind of see this this culture around you. Like, it's, especially when you see other creators who are doing great work get recognized. Sometimes just that little bit of contact high that you can get off of that is what keeps you going. And you know, whenever whatever stage of your own development you're in. Yeah, I uh, I have two classmates at the uh, MFA program that I went to who have become wildly successful novelists, like ridiculously successful. And I'm looking at them going, "You did it! Like you're you're the thing that we keep pointing at. Like you're you're the reminder that it happens. That if you if you stay persistent, you know it's it's possible." Um, and it's, it's sort of fun because when I was talking to one of them recently, I was like, Hey, you know, you're a great reminder. You have no idea who that person you're sitting next to is and what they're going to do and how important it might be to pay off. Because I joked with her, I was like, you know, there's a chance you might not have given me this great interview to talk about your book. If, if we hadn't had a a good relationship or if kindness hadn't been part of, of our exchange, you know, there's a chance that you would be like, Hey, sorry, buddy, I'm busy. Um, I'll get back to you when I'm <laughs> not yeah. busy. Or I, I think uh, like know. having a yeah, having a personal connection with anyone goes a long way, mm-hmm. and especially if the 
connection you have with that person isn't expecting something in return. Because another thing that a lot of um, newer people will do is sort of just contact a bunch of people or contact someone maybe they don't know and asking, please read this or help me out here. And if that's like the first contact that you have with that person, you're like, I've never met you in my life. And the first time you're contacting me is to ask me to do something for you can also be a negative, Mm -hmm. you know? So like what you're saying is you, you've established a, you know, a a rapport or, or at least some kind of connection with that person first. So that when you do ask for whatever it is that you, that you're looking for, it's not, it's not weird. Cause there's nothing worse than like when people are just constantly asking stuff from you, but they're, you know, it's like, what am I to you at that point? Yeah, it would be a different situation if it was somebody whose name I knew from class, yeah. but never interacted with. And I was like, hi, we went to school together. You don't know me, but I remember you. And now that you're famous, I would love to talk to you about some things. Like that, that, that feels. Yeah. And yeah, even if your intentions are pure in that case, or this, you know, the hypothetical person from their perspective, you're not, even if you are. So it's like, you, you just have to be smart about things and just, again, be nice and not, not be sort of a jerk. It, it's it's paid off in, in more ways than one. However, I live in California where um, as a as a guy I knew who moved from Hawaii to California was warned by his friend. He was like, hey, man, in, in California, it's cool to be a jerk. Now, he didn't use the word jerk, yep. but uh, <laughs> I can, I can read just, between the Yeah. Yeah. And there was always this sort of like reminder of this feeling when people would say, so you're here from some other place. Yeah. When you leaving, you know, this, this <laughs> attitude of California is like, Hey, stay for the vacation. Don't move here. Like go home. Uh, is that what it's like? Cause like I'm from New Jersey and it's also like that. Like people are horrible here for the most part, but there is like a big, especially where I am. Cause I'm cl- near, near the shore. I'm about like 20 minutes from the shore, but that's like a common thing. You have like bumper stickers, like go home or we, you know, we, like it's like, what are you, what are you talking about? Like, you know, when did when your you know your parents moved here your grandparents moved here. like what are you talking about but that's like a big you know I, I never understand that attitude is california really like that because that makes me sad it was when we moved here it it, it changed gradually i mean I, I think there's parts of california where it's um we moved to a part known as the valley the central valley san joaquin mm-hmm. valley as it's called and there was a bit of like this is a bit more of a tight-knit community in in the more rural areas it was it was a question of like, well, why are you here? And what are you doing? Are you taking yeah. jobs? Are you contributing? You know, your role has to be something that we feel is going to support the overall community that we have here. And if we're in, if we get the sense that you're coming in because you transferred from somewhere and took a job, yeah, we're not going to yeah. like you. You know, you're not going to be as welcome as you are. So, so I guess that just feeds into the theory <laughs> that a lot of humans are just garbage, right? That That's just... You just have the data backing up that, well, maybe it's yeah. like that everywhere. It, 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 it really <laughs> seems to be different. Well, when we have family in Hawaii, we're really lucky in that way. And I've noticed that if you are aware of the, uh, the feelings in the community and you're respectful, at, at points someone will go, so are you from here? Because you have that mm-hmm. island vibe. Like you seem to pay attention to what's going on. You're showing respect. And your uh, relationship with other people uh, reflects that. And that's probably the biggest compliment I, I can feel when I'm there because it's very easy to get the, hey, Holly, and you're just done. 
like at that moment you're like wow okay i need to go i just need (laughs) to go you know there's a there's a rough history with hawaii and and things like that so i I feel like atmospheres can always be kind of interesting but it it draws me back to what you guys were saying you know sometimes you can feel like it doesn't pay to be nice like you're sending out all of these pitches to people you're being nice and if no one's responding back if they're just going into the black hole you're like okay I'm not getting a lot back from being polite and nice, but it does pay off in the long run. And I also loved what you guys were describing about, you know, you're there together for how many hours? It, it almost reminds me of that in the trenches. Once you've had a shared experience with someone, it, it creates a deeper connection because that, that understanding of like, look, we're going to be here for long enough where at some point we're either going to enjoy each other's company or get sick of each other and <laughs> understanding, you know, how, how important it is to have a great relationship with somebody that then you can look back on and then refer to later and say, Hey, I liked what you did with this. And I have this idea and I thought we communicated well, I'd love to see if we work well. And that's such a interesting building block to, to point at because so often it, it seems like it's like a, a happenstance or a, a long relationship. The terms are always different for how a partnership is developed. Or for a lot of, they're so superficial that you feel like you're working with a person's ego rather than the person themselves. Like you're navigating around this person's idea of themselves. And that's not, you're not going to get good stories from that point. You're, you know, Eric, if, if, you know, one of the first, conversations eric and i always have with each other is like i am going to i'll say like i'm going to fight for things that i want and i want you to fight for things that you want but it's never going to be personal and if you feel strongly about something if you can't agree to the thing that i'm talking about if we can't come to that common ground then i don't want my my idea like i don't you don't want to take that from the other person so if you can work with the actual person and 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 try to make each other happy in that partnership. That's that's how you find you know real substance instead of just this kind of like cheerleading back and forth of trying to to prop each, up each other's egos and and you know mm-hmm. feel like you know I'm a professional. Well, you're here to tell a story. If you if if the product itself isn't any good, what are you working together for, right? I love that idea because it also sounds like you have this chance to take the story and put it above both of you that by doing that, you can say, look, this isn't about what decision works best for me or for you. It's about what decision works best for this idea that we're trying to create and how much of that agreement and understanding comes from that place where it's like, it's like parents with a kid where suddenly they're like, I don't need to take the, uh, the extra meal or whatever, because it's more important for this to be the focus of whatever my energy attention or finances or I'm a dog father. So I have two dogs and I have no problem saying, yeah, I'll skip dinner tonight. If it means I get my dog dog food, like that's where my priority comes from at that point. You know, the importance is based on, on that. And I might have a personal want, like, wow, I'd love to go out and get a steak dinner, but I'm okay with a ham sandwich. If I know me and my dog are, (laughs) you know, getting what they need. And with your project, it, it sounds like it's important to keep in mind that if you guys both believe in this thing you're working on, that's where your communication is going to be focused. Not about what I want, not about what you want or the partner wants, but about what do we both want for this story? What does this story want from us? And how are we working together to, to make that happen? And if the ego is not in the way and that's your intention, you, know, you actually are going to be working from a very honest and authentic place, I think. 
We're going to take a quick break to pay some bills with the following ads and then bring you right back to our conversation. Just to go back to that idea, because I think it's really a great one and, and how important uh, it is, you know, when I'm thinking about how you want to collaborate with someone and, and putting the idea of the project first, I think it also reflects well, you know, how others are going to see just how authentic that work looks. And you were talking about some of the people you met. I loved watching the trailer and uh, seeing Steve Orlando, who's someone I got to interview with another podcast group and was a really interesting guy. I loved his Martian Manhunter. I'm currently reading his uh, Commander's Crisis book and uh, Patron and a, and a couple others. And I, I really appreciate that he was really authentic. At one point, he was kind of digging into some of the DC editors about like, okay, so, you know, who's the new big bad? And why is it this much bigger and badder than the other one? And does that even really matter? Or is it more important that, you know, the story behind that character is actually where the value exists? Um, so getting recognition from someone like that, is, is he someone that you had a relationship through either work or just... Uh, you he, know? he also had a 215 ink. It's like a lot of us all had that or used that publisher like if you think like you know ed brisson was at 215 inc i think at the time that we okay. were steve orlando had the kitchen witch which i remember reading and telling him um and the artist whose name i can't remember i was like oh, this is amazing this is really good so i kind of called a lot of his success i think early back in 2012 i was like this is think, so well I, written I think, um yes i think eric could take credit for that Ed, Ed Brisson, uh, uh, Ryan Ferrier, I think maybe had a book. I kind of remember Kurt Pierce having a book announced, but I don't know if it ever came out. Um, there's probably some other people I'm probably blanking on that. Who's that? Jenny Wood. Yes, Jenny, Jenny Wood. But it was it was like a very small publisher, but it seemed like at the at that particular. Oh, and, um, uh, whatchamacallit. Um blanking on everything i can't remember nothing right yeah, I'm, I'm terrible with that stuff so i'm looking it up uh, while we're talking just so that i don't feel like a horrible I'm, person i'm the worst there are many other people there oh, jeremy holt that's what i, I couldn't oh wow yeah, yeah nice i couldn't one. think of their name yeah jeremy holt so but there, at the t it was like one of those things and it was like 2012 around or whatever and that you know you get like these groups of people that all seem to start together and then you know, move on from, you know, that phase to another phase or whatever. So yeah, that's how, that's how I knew him. I think Will, you know um, him a little bit better than I do, uh, you know, as far as like the kitchen witch stuff, but then all, Steve Orlando, I mean, you're, you're probably yeah, closer been, with him I've, than I've me. I've done quite a bit of uh, work with two and five ink since. Um, so I've kind of worked with a lot of those creative teams a little bit closer as kind of like a, a mock art director. And uh, it, it's just, it's kind of like, it's kind of like uh, it's like trading cards almost like you, you sit there in your professional life and you get to see all these people pass through when you're a part of a publisher or not. And being able to sit there and, and almost like dog ear and say like, oh, you seem like a really in, nice person. And like, oh, this person has some integrity. Oh, this person's really creative. And, you know, sometimes it, it, it just works and other times it doesn't. And it's, you know, you just... You just kind of like you kind of keep your eyes peeled for those ones that are going to really go but like you still while you're doing all of this are 
are building it's funny you, you start in the business with your idols right you're like oh i love darwin cook i love all these people and then suddenly those same people are your peers like you know jenny wood is a writer you sit there it's like well i i love what this person produces i they're the first people that i want to kind of have my baby and, and watch over it and, and give me creative feedback because nobody knows how to give constructive criticism better than an artist or writer you know you're trained for it so I, I know that I'm going to get real criticism and real compliments rather than just kind of, you know, oh, yeah, yeah I'll give you a good yes or no. Like sometimes sometimes those uh, constructive criticisms for peers are the, are the most valuable. Yeah, I've I've felt on a few occasions if if I believe in the person who's who's sharing with me, if I if I, you know, trust them to be, you know, saying, hey, look, I think your story or I think this this element can be improved if you consider this. Um, it, it makes it so much easier to look at, at that reason for why they're they're mm -hmm. suggesting it. You know, what is it that they want you to pull out of that? And why can you, you know, consider that instead of getting defensive, like what? But this is my baby. It's beautiful. It's perfect. It's, you, you know, understand don't... my art. Right. <laughs> How dare you say that about my child? Uh, who is it? Anne Lamott once said when she got a, a horrible like rejection thing, she was like, it felt like they called my kid ugly. I think her son's name Ben. And she's like, it felt like they just called Ben ugly. You know, like I suddenly right. was, you know, was horrified. But if someone's saying, no, no, you're, you're close to something, but, but here's how I think you can get there. Or yeah. here's something. You're not that considering A, B, or C. Like, okay, yeah. that's some place I can work. Right. I think that there's always like that balance between being true to yourself and being true to that vision and then taking criticism where it makes sense and where, you know, it's like trying to be objective about yourself is always tough. Um, but sometimes you do hear things that you're like, oh, no, this is the way it's got to be. And then sometimes you're vindicated for that. Um, so but it is it's finding that balance of like being true to whatever that idea is, whatever that story is, staying on that and 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 not sure because some people will push you in the wrong direction, not necessarily people that that will, you know, people that you respect and, you know, that's that's something different. But sometimes you may get a note or something that's like, I don't know, you, you know what you're talking about. <laughs> so I'm not, I'm not beyond also doing that uh, as well. With, um, I was just talking, uh, I was just talking yesterday uh, and with someone and in, in saying when we, we actually hired uh, Heather Antos to kind of help with, uh, to help with ed like editing our first swing at a pitch for this idea. And sure enough, you know, same kind of thing where when you when you respect the voice coming to you with criticism and more importantly, when you're honest with yourself about your your own limitations, basically. So when they say to you, like, hey, you know, you might want to consider working on X, Y or Z in this panel or in, in general in your work. If you're honest with yourself, you can be like, yeah, I, I saw it the whole time. and You're right. And then every time you work, you hear that. And it you know, can drive you nuts if you're insecure, but it also, it can be used as a tool to be like, you know, I'm going to make sure that, that, that I work on that thing. And that, that, that critique will stick with you and make you a better creator. Mm. Yeah, I would just like gonna... to add that my printer has a lot to say. Are you picking up all of the crazy printing sounds that are going on? It sounds like <laughs> I'm doing this interview from Staples. 
it's very impressive. If you want to mute at times, it's okay. If you I, don't, I, I, that's yeah, okay I have, too. I, I apologize. Well, we'll just include the ambience, like, hey, folks, like the, the guy's constantly writing stuff. We're constantly making comics here at Grissom Enterprises. Shrink. Right. So we've got uh, Grissom I, I, down there in the presses, and uh, yeah. the printing is going along fine. How's it going there? I used to work yeah. in a newspaper, and if you want to hear one of the loudest rooms oh, in the I'm world, sure it's so loud coming off the line. <laughs> The rollers are going and you just see the guys with the headphones and they're all looking at you like, writer, get out of here. <laughs> We're doing greasy work. Get out of here. There's ink. You don't know what you're doing. Throw you yeah. in the machine. I would <laughs> add, I just want to add something to what Will was saying about, anyway about an editor. So that is, if you can afford it and comics is so hard to afford anything, um, especially if you're a writer and you're not doing the drawing because you got to put, you know, have artists paid and colorists paid and all that kind of stuff. But if you have the budget for it, especially if you're doing a pitch to hire an editor. So like of the two books that ended up at Dark Horse, both, I don't think it's a coincidence that both of those pitches, I had hired an editor to, to take a look at the pitch and make sure that, you know, what I was putting together was good. For Gregory Suicide, it was Sebastian Gurner. That was the best money I could possibly have spent. And then when we did uh Gregory's suicide Sebastian had moved on and he you know he, he's actually who recommended Heather and then we used her and I think there's no question that having people like that having an editor look through your pitch is is gonna be worth it in the end and if you ever you know I, I would 100% recommend doing that it is a cost you know but I think it's worth it in the end but especially in the beginning I mean I, I I would always want that service you know because like I said it forces you to grow but more importantly, when um, one of the hardest things to learn is kind of keeping that point on the horizon that you're working towards. So like an Eric and I sit down and say, we loved X, Y, and Z, and here's the feeling we're trying to put into this thing. What is important? What is this thing we're, we're giving birth to? What, what, do we, what do we want it to say? What do we want it to mean? I understand. And it sounds like um, getting that instruction, you know, getting that feedback from editors, you know, making sure that you have that insight while keeping an eye on that vision is a great way to just sort of know like, hey, this is what I'm working towards. But that doesn't mean that it's just going to be like, you know, hop on the uh, conveyor belt and enjoy the, the ride that pulls you along, you know, the, mm -hmm. the work you're going to have yeah. to put into it. It's going to take also that advantage of somebody who's a little farther along and can look down back at that and say, hey, I see what you're doing, but this is what I've done in the same area. Here's my experience, and this is where I can share my experience with you. Um, yeah, here are the pitfalls. Yeah, I mean, I think the most important thing for me, too, is because sometimes I'll have, I'll get to a point and it may not feel right. And having like an editor come back and tell you what isn't working is wonderful advice to have and a wonderful guidepost to then try to solve that problem. You know, not looking for someone to say, oh, why don't you do this? Like if somebody's like, why don't you do this? I'll almost always never do that anyway, just because of the way I'm built. I'm like, no, I'm not doing that. And then I'll think about what I, yeah, but, but, but you'll knowing like, okay, what doesn't work because you're so close to the thing. And even you yourself know, like so many times you would have, I would have situations where I would have it and then something doesn't feel right. And then that'll get highlighted and it'll validate all of your doubts about it. Or if you have someone that like, you're not sure if you want to do this or that, and you have a choice and you have all the anxiety that leads to the choices and everything, just having another voice sometimes that's not 
so close to the project that can look at it sort of from the outside is invaluable too. But I love like finding that problem and then problem solving and okay, well, this isn't working. And then that will lead to such wonderful things. And Will and I think do this ourselves without an editor. I think one of my favorite scenes in Goblin happened at the end and it came from Will and I disagreeing about, uh, there was like a fairy that was gonna be in a certain part of the thing. And it wasn't working for me in the, in the scene. And I think Will was having some trouble with the site and it just wasn't working. And then this weird thing came to me in sort of a vision uh, or I was meditating or, and I saw this image and I texted Will and it's now like, and we just put it in there, but that all came from a part that we didn't know was broken, but we could tell subconsciously that w wasn't working. And from that came this whole new wonderful thing. And it wasn't that, even that it wasn't working. It just, it wasn't, it wasn't, uh, it wasn't snapping. It didn't, it just, there was, you felt a lull in it. And for whatever reason, yeah, in one day, we went from this is a problem, back and forth, back and forth, and boom, made comics. Like, yeah. It was just like. Yeah, I don't want to give too many details about what it was. But yeah, it was like, yeah. once we changed that, it was like, oh, fantastic. And it's one of my favorite, it's one of my favorite images and, and things. And then like a lot of it for myself writing, I do, I feel like a lot of it is intuitive where I just feel like something feels right. And even seeing that image and then reading some stuff about uh, magic and all this other stuff. And it's like, oh, that's actually connected to this other thing, which I didn't even realize would be connected to when you start to get into like the goddess imagery and some other imagery. So it, that it, those kind of little happy accidents that happen or mistakes that then turn into these wonderful new things are some of my favorite parts about, you know, breaking the story down. It's the road to discovery. You know, it's, it's that whole thing of where you start and where you think you're going and then what you uncover just through the, the work yeah. part, you know, the idea of like, well, this is what I'm trying to do and this is what I'm learning. And as the two start to inform each other, it's like <laughs> that part of your brain starts to open more to like, well, okay, are we looking at this at all the ways? And each time you get that other perspective that shows you something and you get to include it, it feels more complete, closer to the, that sense of right, you know, that like, I like this, I, I feel this and that, that energy from it. Uh, Will, I think you did a, a really great thing of describing that lull without the lift. You know, if there's a moment where you're just sort of like, this should be doing something and it's not, we've just, you know, we've lost a little it's momentum easy. here. <laughs> it's easy to push off from the dock, but yeah, at a certain point you're just like, all right, well, I'm just doing what I've been doing now like, <laughs> without turning around and seeing like, how far have I gone yet? Like this is, and then getting to the end of a book. I mean, that's, that's probably the second to last chapter, the sequence that Eric's talking about. And to have that kind of like, boost of enthusiasm again to take you through the home stretch is just like that's that's what comics is all about that's what you're doing it for one of my favorite yeah, you know you have a good partner too like when you get because the book is a is beautiful and there's so much work i don't know if we mentioned that will's doing the pencils the inks and the colors uh but it's a massive task to be able to do that but you know you have a good partner if you get that far into the book and then I'm suggesting to Will, we just redraw the sequence. Let's just, this is the new uh, creature that's going to be here. I, and the fact that he didn't just, uh, you know, hire Eric, a hitman to take me out. Saying, and Eric will be courteous enough that he'll like, like well, I know I, we could do this. No, this should be fine. And that, so I'll like always be like, all right, 
what if I redrew the entire page? And then if he's like, well, if we then we could do this, but like, okay, then I know it's important. Versus like, eh, maybe, maybe is this important? Like, ah, eh, no, eh, maybe. Just like, okay, well then, then we're gonna move on to more important stuff, and we'll circle back to this later and see if it still is really, really important. And most of the time, the my wife coming home being like, what's going on? I'm like, yeah, Eric and I were fighting today about something. You're like, well, what was, what, was he right? You're like, yeah. But yeah, I'll I can be very tomorrow. particular um, about things or I have a specific way. But I always try to justify, like, I, I always will have a justification. I Like, there's always a reason for, for it, at least, uh, you know, for me. And if there's an idea or something that's, that Will's suggesting that's better, I you know feel like then we we'll just go go with the better idea. Whatever is gonna, you know, move the story along, and whatever's in service to the story, always you know should take priority. I'm gonna use that to bring us around back to the story of Goblin and take advantage of the fact that I know I introduced you know the idea of talking about the character and and setting up how how it came to be that instead of it just being a side, you know, factor in a game where the hero comes along and kills them, robs them, and then marches off. While we're talking about this story, for anyone who's still kind of curious and thinking, okay, but what is this goblin doing? You know, this goblin has experienced um, tragedy and is, I, I love the trailer sets up in a world that simply does not like him, that hates him does not you know, want him around and still has to persevere because there's now um, a mission in his mind, something that he wants to do. Something has happened to his life. It's changed his trajectory. He's, he's now you know, looking at humans and showing us what they look like. And then also in the process, he's showing us this world. And you remind me of, uh, I think it's, uh, I want to say McCarthy uh, on the road, you know, the idea of this like journey and discovery and, and then through that, what is it other people, what is it else that people should know about the book, about the character and, and their journey and what they can look forward to without giving too much away, but also letting us know that every journey is about the discovery and also the growth of the character and the, the reader as they're experiencing it, just like it is for you when you guys are creating this book. Um, what can we let them in on? Yeah, I mean, I think the, I'd mentioned that he is a, a young goblin. So he's just on his 13th moon or whatever, whatever, whatever you're gonna refer to this, this magical land. So he thinks he knows everything. You know, his parents don't know what they're talking about. So he's already got like that built in angst, um, the, that, that sort of fuels his his quest and his desire. And as he moves through this this sort of landscape and this grand adventure, a lot of the scenes, almost all of the scenes take, you know, take a look at perception, how he's seen, how he sees the world. We meet, meet some monsters that you may have an idea of what you think they are, but they turned out to be, you know, it turns out to be something completely different. I think we see that through, you know, he meets these two, two of my favorite people, these twin merchants um, that represent a certain, a certain way of life. And then you have uh, sort of a, a swamp hag at one point. So there's the whole thing is sort of this, this journey of, of many failures and many triumphs that sort of mirror, I guess, in a way like his coming of age. Uh, so it's really sort of this coming of age 
road movie. And if you're someone, I said this before, that enjoys being in the woods more than being around people, I think you will find uh, a home within the pages of the book. Will we miss anything on that? <laughs> uh, trying to think of some of the stuff, because I've been, we've been talking about the book a lot more. You don't talk about the book very much at all. You just make the book for two years, and then you start having to talk to people about it. <laughs> and you start kind of vocalizing these things. But, but yeah, the coming of age part is really what kind of what, what attracted me to it. But also the idea that while you're kind of the 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 way Eric's writing kind of connects to the kind of just the experience of being uh, an outsider youth, you know, that you are going to, you feel as though nobody wants you around. Nobody, nobody, the world is not built for you. It's built for, you know, adults. And that feeling of an other, that othering that kind of happens to both the goblin and, you know, every teenager let's be honest and and the story that being like you are going to go through this one way or another you're going to go through this this hard process of becoming whatever it is that you are going to become in the end and you don't know what that is until you get there and once you get there it will still have been hard but once you turn around and kind of look back and see you know where you came from and the lessons that you kind of accrued whether or not you learned them that itself is kind of like that's what makes it worth it it's it's the fact that you are changed by the the world around you that you kind of pushed yourself out into so that that uh that appeal of the uh of the coming of age and 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 kind of helping define yourself through the you know the trials of the world you have to exist in Right. And for people that, that don't have, don't have families or maybe their family is not the way that they should be about uh, how you find family in, in your friends and in other people. Um, and, and this, this particular story has, you know, I don't know, I guess it's in the artwork. We can talk about, there's a wolf pup that, that accompanies um, this goblin on his adventure and sort of, you know, it's something to be said for people that do find family outside of the place that they're belong that they're born into. I think goes a good deal into it. I'm also always hesitant about talking too much about the meaning or about some of this stuff because I feel like every time I say what it is or what it should be, it's no longer that for you. And I always get a little <laughs> bit. I, I like the magic, and I like I like the ambiguity of of someone like yourself or someone that that's not will or i like opening the pages and then finding what they find in it versus me sort of wagging my finger and saying and like then was, this is supposed to represent you know like i hate all that i like i, I, I like that it's kind of like the first i'm the first reader like i'm the first one who takes a script and i i then take what i what i pull from it and try to put it into the pages and then we give it to everyone else and and even then I like it to be like you're saying, Eric, like 70, 30, you know, we put 70% on there and we put a placeholder for that 30%. And I want that point of view from outside the story. Cause we're very much still from within it. That, that extra outside perspective is just, it's so important. It's part of it. It's part of the world building. It's part of the communication with the reader. You don't want to, you don't want to give it to them. You want to, you want them to kind of give part of it to, you know, give it back. Understood. I mean, I, I think you're pointing to a lot of things that readers will be able to connect with. 
the idea of as a teenager, you you simply are the other. It's 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 like this thing that becomes ingrained. Like, but no one understands the world the way I'm experiencing it right now, and I feel like I can't connect with or be perceived or you know there's things that I want and I'm looking for those and I'm I'm also you know very aware of the fact that everyone's kind of taking a look at me at as a teenager like so what are you gonna do you know you're right on the precipice exactly who and what will you become and, and what will be that be like and uh I appreciate you not wanting to give away <laughs> certain elements or sort of impress an ideal upon it. Um, I am curious if uh, we can suggest, you know, when I look at the website, when I had the chance to take a glance at, at some characters like Fisher Wolf or the hunter or, uh, you know, the lady in the swamp, I was also intrigued by the idea of, you know, there's, there's what the, the character desires. And then there's also usually a set of risks involved with pursuing that desire desire. So there's already the fact that um, Goblin is not perceived well by the world. I mean, it, it's been uh, written into our stories that goblins are the enemy, whether you're the Hobbit or uh, anyone else, you're, you're, you know, these are creatures that you're in conflict with. And the risk for him already is going through a world that's like that. But I was curious if there were any other risks that readers can keep in mind, like, you know, journeys can be perilous. There are always going to be uh, things that, that can be dangerous. And outside of just the world, are there other risks for uh, this character on their journey that we can allude to? You know, well, I, um, Yeah, I mean, I ahead. think just to build on that a bit, I mean, it's an impossible task. I mean, generally speaking, goblins, if you were to play them in Dungeons and Dragons or in some other game, you don't usually fight one goblin. You know, they're usually stronger in numbers um, where this is one child goblin that is going up against this hulking warrior with a scorpion tattoo on his face. And Rick will see the ravages that this sort of human tornado is going through cities and, and he's leaving carnage in his wake. So just that idea alone is near impossible. Um, and the journey that he has to go through, he's going to go through a lot of different locales that in and of themselves are dangerous to try to cross a river in which he has no boat. He has no money. Um, he can't just, he, you know, he's got no so, uh, support unit of any kind. So how do you survive, let alone take it upon yourself to do the impossible task of taking down this sort of human human. I was going to say mountain, but that I guess uh, again, George R. R. Martin <laughs> filing an, an, uh, an injunction against this interview. There's quite a few really poignant moments in Eric's script where, like, where the main character does literally come to that point of just like, I, I can't do this. I can't do this. Like, my, I've, I've, I've put myself in this position, and how do I keep moving forward? And that uh, concept of always finding one more way to go. It was like. It was it was like cheerleading even for me drawing it, which is like you know this is a hard process. It's a it's 180 pages, whatever it ends up being. You know, it's a, a pandemic year. You're stuck in a room, and you keep getting to those moments of just like, how are you gonna keep moving forward? Just, you just you just do. You just you find a way. Sometimes it might just be a wolf pup, but you know sometimes it's 
it, like you said, it's that it's that community around you and finding a reason to push forward. Right. It's, it's like it's, it's like middle school. Like who wants to <laughs> that alone? Getting through the door is is a, a victory. So, you know, in a lot of ways, that is just being that age is a is a journey. Yeah, it was definitely a test and trial for me. I mean, you know. Yeah, I, you <laughs> never <laughs> run into people that are like, oh, I love middle school. And right. if you find those people, you run. Like that's, a, so if you hear you somebody say that, you get out of the room. <laughs> you're like, oh, okay, <laughs> because you fed on the rest them. of us. <laughs> right. <laughs> right, or nobody likes them because they, they <laughs> were one still of those. There. <laughs> well said. I'd also like to just add, uh, because you brought in the idea of, you know, viewing these uh, characters as you might from a D&D game or something, you guys also have a... Uh, a game that, that goes along with this, uh, with this project, correct? Yeah. Yeah. So to, um, when we did the Gregory suicide book, um, we were trying to think of ways to, to sort of promote it. And we came up with a sort of an Instagram. We're going to do, Oh, this mini comic on Instagram. So we tried that. It wasn't as successful or for whatever reason, you know, it was like, well, we got to try, try to something different. And for this game, for this game, for this book, I was thinking along those so same lines of like, because you don't have a lot of money. Um, there's not huge marketing machines behind us. It's just, you know, Will and I. So is there a, something we could do that builds out this world? And I love the idea of the world being much bigger, even than the confines of what's between the pages of the book, the front and, and back cover. So this was like a great way to, to really build out that world. I've always Sweet. liked the... What's that saying? Still be something that we love, like still be rooted in something like an inspiration rather than just being like a cheap tie in. Like, oh, this will get us some views. Like it has to have some some connection to us. Yeah. And I, I like the idea of um, game storytelling, but I only knew Dungeons and Dragons from the Endless Quest Dungeons and Dragons books from from the 80s um, and the Dungeons and Dragons cartoons. So I, I really had no knowledge or any real, you know, knowledge of how to play uh, an RPG like Dungeons and Dragons. So it was a huge, huge uh, learning curve for me to figure out how to structure something like this. Um, it was easily the most challenging thing that I've ever written. Uh, Story-wise, that was fun. So like coming up with the characters and I and, and when I was writing Goblin, I already have in my head the maps and, and different... Uh, you know, races that live there and different characters and, and sort of backstory stuff that may never make it to the pages. But I sort of had that in my notebook. So I had something to draw from. Um, so building all of that stuff out was easy. But the hardest part was, you know, the stats. Because if you've never played D&D before, like, I don't know if you play yourself, but it was like trying to figure out all this, these numbers and maths involved and somebody's rolling a dice and this, you got to roll this dice and this guy can't look at you. If he looks at you, now you're it got stone gaze or whatever. So that, that part was hard. Um, Will knew the game pretty well. So he was able to play test it, which was uh, invaluable. And I had, I worked with um, an artist, Paige Connolly, who knew a lot about Dungeons and Dragons. So I could send her the game, you know, as it was being developed and say like, is this terrible? Um, so it was a lot of fun. And it's, it's, if you play those games, it's, it's 5e. Uh, so that rule set, you can download it. It's completely free. It takes about two days, maybe six hours, I think, to play through the whole the whole campaign. It's it's structured, I think, probably a little bit closer to a video game because that's 
sort of where my brain's closer to performing than than if somebody who had been writing these D and D modules forever may have structured it. So it has like, and I think that was maybe the biggest criticism I think that Will had had given me that it was maybe a little too linear and we did add some stuff to give some branching paths. But you pick from these six characters, depending on who you pick, the story's going to change a little bit. So there's there's definitely some re- replayability in it. Uh, but it was so much fun to do. Like, I, I love that. And it, it the idea, again, like, um, if you have, like, the world of the book, it can exist in a game and it can exist in something else. And, like, I love the multimedia aspect of it. Twin Peaks was a huge uh, inspiration for me as a kid. That was one of my favorite TV shows ever when I was growing up. And they had like, you can get the Agent Cooper tapes and you can get, can read Laura Palmer's diary. So I always loved that idea too. And applying that to, you know, the realm of Goblin, which is sort of where all these things are falling under that umbrella was was so much fun. And then Will as the, the one who had more experience that could provide that that feedback. What was it like, you know, working with Eric, you know, shaping this game that you guys can offer as, as part of this? Uh, it was it was fun because like I also I because I could just like give suggestions. I didn't have to necessarily draw it when it was done. But, uh, <laughs> nice. but I also have a group that I would that I was kind of you know you play Dungeons and Dragons as a kid, then inevitably you reintroduce yourself to it. So it was like I was figuring out the previous year five E myself. So it was kind of like watching and 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 being able to sit there and say like oh no no i understand i had the same problem with this here's here's how i fixed it or or but also being like the dm for my group even being like oh man this is you you know we were having a great time but then they did all of the things that you didn't think they'd do (laughs) it's almost as if you're writing the one place that they won't go so it was, it was fun. It's like uh, play testing any game. You kind of get to not only be on the ground floor, but like to see how this world continued to grow, grow around you. And it's a place that I helped build. So like, you know, like, oh yeah, we're going into this location and I know exactly what it looks like. So I can describe it in great detail to everyone. <laughs> it was great. Yeah, that was what's cool too, is like it, the events of the game take place, bef- you know, shortly before the events of the book. So things that happen within the game, you're going to see reflected uh, when you read it. But like, yeah, we revisited all the same locations. So there's the uh, the city of Ara is in the game, but it's also in the book and the cave. Um, so it was perfect too, because Will has all this wonderful artwork of the settings that you can just, I, I could just add into the, the PDF. So you really get a sense of the scope and the majesty of the world before you really jump into it with Goblin. And the art's beautiful. Like Will did all the characters. We have six predefined characters and Will sort of designed all of the character art for, for, for the characters plus all of the bosses, like depending on how you play it and what symbols you pick, you'll get different uh, bosses. So it's a great looking, even if you just wanted to look at the artwork, I think it's worth the download. Nice. I grew up in a very strict religious house, so Dungeons and Dragons was not something I could even mm-hmm. like reach towards comics were like that too and gradually you know as i stretched out on my own it was this great discovery of like this is what the world's been doing okay and and then sort of like you know connect in some ways and in other ways just be like sorry that was a moment in time where i was in a capsule and you guys experienced stuff and yeah i uh yeah. <laughs> but i, 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 I really like, wanted to play i just didn't have any friends so it, it was like eh, I'll just watch the cartoon 
Fair enough. Yeah, yeah that was the opposite. Um, I was just—I remember being like, like hearing about it, all my friends who were just all collectively Dungeons and Dragons uh, guys, and just being like, like, do you want to play Dungeons and Dragons? Like, Dungeons and Dragons. Okay, what's this about? And then like, yeah, the next time, I was like, when are we doing this again? Oh yeah, when are we? When are we playing football after school? Right. Okay. I'm hooked. I'm hooked. Meanwhile, guys, everyone else in middle school is like, those nerds. <laughs> Uh, middle school, the ultimate gauntlet. Um, you guys have been awesome. Thank you for so much about what you were able to share and describe. I mean, I love any conversation about craft. Like for me, it's the whole, how'd they do this? Like, how did this come about? Like, where did the inspiration come from? How do you follow it through? How do you end up with this end product? I'm insured by the fact that almost everyone who listens to this podcast is here for that reason. They love hearing those stories. So thank you both for sharing those insights, telling us about, and for anybody who's out there creating, I mean, the descriptions you gave about pitch, about who you meet, you know, through your persistence and how opportunities can eventually unfold. It's like a lifeline. I mean, for some people, lifeline, life preserver, it's that feeling of like, hey, you know what? I'm not the only one going through this. And mm -hmm. hearing that from you guys is, uh, I can only imagine how encouraging. I know it was for me. And for anyone listening, you know, you're welcome because <laughs> they really did it for us. So thank you both for that. Hey, uh, this is going to come out a little bit after the book, which is being released on the 26th of May. Yeah, so correct? the book is coming out the 26th of May in comic shops. However, the, okay. the book release is June 8th. I know it's confusing because comics is always confusing. So we have two yeah, release have dates. So through Diamond that would go to your comic shop is this when or whenever this is airing. It's May 26th. So it's probably past. But June 8th, like if you want to get it at Target or Walmart or Amazon or your book, Barnes and Noble or a local bookstore, whatever, that's going to come out on the 8th. So if you missed it in the comic shop, then please pre-order it either online or go to your local bookshop. Even if it's an independent store, they should be able to, to order it and uh, you can get it hopefully by the 8th. There may Perfect. be some delay because like, do, if you remember that whole canal blocking yeah. situation, that seems to have slowed a lot of books. So uh, as far as I know, it's still the 8th. Uh, it's possible maybe it'll be a few days after that, but we'll see. Okay. I'll include any of that in the liner notes when I put this one up. And cool. then if anyone wanted to reach out to you guys and just say like, hey, I thought you were great or hey, you know, talk to you in any way. Do you guys have uh, media channels you love to communicate with folks on, whether it's social media or email or anything like that? Absolutely. Yeah, uh, for uh, me, uh, I have a website, ericgrissom.com, and then you can sign up for my newsletter, which I do once a week, egrissom on Twitter and on Instagram. And realmofgoblin.com is our site. I think you probably already mentioned that. Right. And then Will? Uh, I'm at Dill Gherkins on Twitter and Will Perkins Comics on Instagram. Uh, either one of those places is the best place to get a hold of me. And um, yeah, realmofgoblin.com. It's, it's my, my best face forward, right? Nice. Hey, yeah. Um, so in a, in a few minutes, they're going to kick us off of this thing. And before they do, I just wanted to say again, thank you both. Um, I love everything I think that's going to happen in a conversation. And I'm always amazed at everything else that comes out of it that I'm like, I never would have expected that. And I'm so glad I got to be a part of it. Thank you both for including me in hearing and sharing your story. Cool. Thanks, Thanks for having, for having us on. Seth. 
And that's going to do it for me. I loved every minute of this conversation and all of the time that Eric and Will were willing to share with me about their project, about this really wonderful story that shows us just what it's like to take another perspective and see the world through new eyes and hopefully develop that great understanding that is so often shared with beautiful stories. I loved every minute of this conversation. I still enjoy going back to look over the trailer. And there's a game that you might find me playing in the future. In the end, what mattered to me the most was getting the chance to hear about so much of the great process from Will and Eric. And I can't thank them enough, just like I can't thank you enough for listening in. Until next time, I look forward to sharing another story with you.